sights to show you. Welcome to the 61st episode of The Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I'm Sierra Houck, and I'm here with my fellow sirens, Melissa and Jackie. Hello. 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 It's been a little while since we talked. Melissa went on a huge adventure. (laughs) An adventure, yeah. That was it. Yeah, I went to, we went to Florida for a week. We basically did six parks in six days. Which is, so, you need wow. a vacation after that vacation, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I did not come home feeling relaxed, but I came home feeling in good shape, let me tell you. <laughs> I never walk that much at home. <laughs> so I was like, I came home feeling like energized, like, yeah, I'm ready to work out. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not ready to work out. I'm not. <laughs> no, it was super fun. I finally got to go to Harry Potter World for the first time, and I was so excited because I've wanted to go there forever. That's so cool. Yeah, we got to go there, except for now that, you know, I waited until my kid was old enough, and that means he got all the cool swag, Yeah, and I didn't <laughs> really get. I got, like, a jacket, like, he got the cool robe and the wand and all the magic stuff, so. Mm. And then we did, so we basically did all the Disney parks, and then we did Universal and Ellen's Adventure, which, if you went to Harry Potter World when they first built it, it's now in two different parks. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. Diagon Alley, and then there's also Hogsmeade. And in order to see them both, well, you can go to two different parks, but in order to ride the train between the parks, you have to buy a special park hopper ticket, which is more expensive. Yeah. That's how they get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a learning experience. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. And it was much needed because we didn't take a vacation last year at all. So that was our 2018 vacation in January. Mm-hmm. Just squeezing <laughs> it in right under the, yep. right under and I was the wire. Very pleasantly surprised by Max because before we went there, you know, he was like most kids. He was all Gryffindor and Harry Potter and Hermione and... Then we got to, then we got there and he was in the wand shop, decided to go through, he went through all the, all these wands, picked out a wand with like a skeleton on the top with like a, oh. a big snake underneath. I was like, oh, that it looks awesome. That looks like a, <laughs> that looks like a Slytherin wand, Max. <laughs> I was trying really hard not to like influence him in any way because it was kind of his first experience and I wanted it to be very magical for him and, and he was like yeah that's what I want so I want okay okay cool and then we went to the robe place and he like marched straight in there and he's like I want Slytherin robe oh. like, really <laughs> okay sudden change of heart right at the last minute yeah he just like he walked in the Harry Potter world and decided he was a Slytherin that's awesome in my head I was like yes you know but it was funny because the rest of the time we were there he had to like defend his decision because all these annoying people kept asking him like why he chose Slytherin and really oh, you're Slytherin yeah there was all this like weird Slytherin bias <laughs> like it's <That's> so weird <laughs> it's like he's, he's a, a six year old kid <laughs> <laughs> don't worry people he's not gonna like stab you with his wand when you're not looking he's <laughs> a little kid what the hell <laughs> I don't know but it was hilarious. He made friends with like two different groups of college girls on the train. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> he was my kid is way more social than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Stop talking to people. Stop it. <laughs> I don't want to have to talk to them. I know, right? <laughs> no, it was really fun. It was it was a good time. And then we came back and 
jumped right back into work in snowstorms. There was this huge snowstorm on the day that we were flying home up here and I'm in New York and the snow was apparently it was like giant nor'easter that was blowing in. There was supposed to be like a foot of snow and our plane was landing at five o'clock in New Jersey and they said the snow was coming down like between it was supposed to start at five and like go all night and Mm -hmm. we would have had to get off the plane and then drive our car like an hour and a half north into the storm to get home. So we kind of stressed about it for a while and then we just decided to move our flight and the only thing that they had was 6.30 in the morning. So (laughs) we went from like we could, you know, sleep in on our last day and like take our time to like waking up at 3.30 in the morning and going to the airport at an ungodly hour. Ouch. So. Hopefully you got to go to bed early at least. Well, you know, it just it does feel good to just be home when something like that is going to happen. And I was having trouble finding like a pet sitter that could jump in for an extra night at the last minute. So just like got home and then we're snowed in for two days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys just but that was OK. Barely missed that giant storm. And you just barely missed airport shutting down and all that madness there. Yeah, that was just like the weekend after. Yeah, the whole government shutdown. All of a sudden, they shut it. Yeah, thumbs up to the uh, TSA people, though. They were actually friendly and pleasant at both international airports that we flew through, and we made a point to like say thank you to everybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you for working for free. Thank you so much, (laughs) because you just can't help you know feeling bad watching these people standing there dealing with masses and masses of people in public and. And bullshit, I'm sure, a lot of bullshit from people, knowing that they're not getting a paycheck for it. Yeah. But it was fun. And now there's another snowstorm coming tomorrow. So, hey! (laughs) (laughs) Good times, winter! (laughs) I'm supposed to go to work tomorrow, but maybe not, because the snow always messes up my work schedule. So that's it. What have you guys been up to? What were you doing while I was gone? Thinking about how much you missed me? That was so long ago. I don't remember what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Napping. Making weird art stuff, doing something with bunnies, you know, the usual. Wrangling bunnies. Yeah. I was binge watching my recommendation, which is a nice transition. I've been binge watching my recommendation for this week, which is a YouTube series called Hellier by the folks who run Planet Weird. Have you guys heard of that? No. What is it? No. So it's this really cool husband and wife duo who got together because they were both ghost hunters awesome and then they had like they had like competing ghost hunter groups and then they got together and like fell in love that's so awesome (laughs) it's they it's like Mulder and scully but if they were both Mulder, that's like um, the perfect love story (laughs) i know it's really great they are they're really like goals but they run a museum of the paranormal and the occult And it's a traveling museum that they take to like horror conventions and things like that and they have you know some supposedly very haunted artifacts that they bring around and they go on ghost hunts but then they also have recently been exploring cryptids and they went to kentucky to look for the kentucky goblins nice and that's what the series is about so they get these really like mysterious emails from the sky living in kentucky in hellier kentucky start with like a really great name like hellier right this guy he lives on you know this like really secluded farm and these creatures are coming out at night from the mines and messing with his house and like looking in the windows and scaring his kids. And so he like got Greg's email from a friend of a friend because they said that he could help with this. And so, you know, he starts asking questions and the, the guy who's being tormented by these little goblins is sending them photos of footprints. And it all looks really like 
interesting and legitimate. I mean, legitimate as much as a, a cryptid sighting is. But what's really cool is this situation is really similar to the Hopkins encounter, which is this famous alien encounter that I I think we talked about it on our our aliens episode. A, yeah, that a long time super back. Familiar. Yeah, the the Kelly Hopkins encounter in the fifties, where a farmhouse of like ten people saw this UFO crash, and then out of the UFO, these little like goblin creatures with big ears and weird eyes that would like glow in the dark came out and like started like climbing all over the house and stuff and they called the cops and the co- the police show up and they sh- they see them too and they just like disappeared all of a sudden <laughs> what the hell i know unfortunately when greg is receiving these emails from the sky he is working on getting his citizenship in Canada so he can't travel out of the country and so he can't like go drop everything and go to Kentucky. But then, you know, cut to a couple of years later, the two of them moved to the U.S. are living really close to Kentucky. So they, you know, they kind of they drive down and scope it out and start talking to people and people are really like excited to tell them their stories like they've seen you know ghosts in the woods and there's Native American spirits around and They've seen Bigfoots and they hear, you know, babies crying in the woods. And like, there's all these crazy stories and like people are seeing lights in the sky. And so, you know, the two of them are like, hell yeah, we're going to have to come back with a team and like start to investigate this place. That sounds so awesome. I know. And so while that's happening, the guy who originally started the whole thing, who was emailing him, just like says, you know, he... He had to leave with his family. They just kind of dropped everything and left. And then he like wasn't returning any kind of emails back to him. So he just kind of dropped off the face of the planet. So then they're also trying to investigate whether this guy is real. And they start receiving these other really weird emails that like maybe it's part of this bigger scheme. And it starts to unfold into a thing that's, you know, a lot bigger than just these goblins. And it's a really captivating series. It's, I think, six episodes and they're all about an hour, hour and a half long. But I watched all of them in like two days. It was it's really good. And especially if you guys don't know about the two of them, I think that's a really good introduction to them and the work that they do outside of that. Trying to think of some other things that you can, you know, like learn more about them afterwards. They have really good Instagrams. Dana, the wife, does a lot of like witchcraft and stuff. And so her Instagrams are all like, because it's the waning moon, you know, here's how you should like banish the bad things in your life and talking about the crystals that she's liking recently. That's fun. Yeah, super fun stuff. And they post about the, you know, the conventions they go to and the different artifacts that they receive. And they're, I really want to see their, their museum sometime. It's, they seem like kind of a modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren a little bit. Hmm. So that's my recommendation. We should ask them on the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is going to drive me crazy, but I saw something in the past couple days that my brain reminds me that when I saw it, I thought Sierra would really love that and I should tell her about it. And now you I don't remember, remember what it was. You only remember that you had that thought and not what the thing was. <laughs> yes. And it had something to do with ghosts or ghost hunters because as soon as you started talking about your recommendation, my brain was like, that thing. Remember That's that so thing funny. that you were going to tell her? And I can't remember what it was. I also, I'll say, I just watched the documentary Demon House, which is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures bought this house supposedly like super haunted and people had to have exorcisms who lived there. And the documentary is on Amazon Prime now. So if you have Prime, you can watch it for free. And it was fun, but it's not like as exciting as I hoped it would be. 
I actually did remember one thing I did while you were gone, Melissa. It was art related, but also a recommendation I wanted to throw in here. Our friend Liz Sauer has been doing a series on Lilith on her blog. Lilith is one of the characters that you meet in her interviews. Lilith is a teenage girl. I guess she kind of gets possessed. It's... It's a little more involved than that, but she deals with a lot of demon activity at this particular house. <laughs> Liz is releasing an entire Lilith series over there on Ghost in the Burbs. It's a very interesting dive into Ghost in the Burbs. If you're unfamiliar with her stories over there, you can start with the Lilith story without having to go back to, you know, the entire beginning of Ghost in the Burbs. But I mean, you're going to want to anyway. So I don't know why you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But I also, um, this is a little shameless self-promotion. I worked with Liz to create a couple of designs for Ghost in the Burbs. And those actually just got officially released today. Oh and my gosh, why didn't I know about yay. this? That's so you exciting. You didn't know about it? I've, no. <laughs> I've been posting about it. I didn't know about it until she put it on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I, I was haven't like, been what? looking at Twitter. Jackie's been pimping herself out. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Here, I want to send you guys a link because I'm so excited about it. And I've been like trying to keep quiet about it because she wanted to do a promotion about it there. And like, I'm trying not to be too extra about it. Like, guys, look at this thing I did. But I'm like, there are a couple of ideas that I've had for a while, you know, and I'm just really excited that they're out and they look pretty good. <laughs> if it was anybody other than Liz, I might be jealous. <laughs> It makes me want to do some siren stuff for us now. Hell yeah. Yeah, their Ouija one is super cool. I, they're, they're very clever. I like them. I like the clever little references in there to her show. But now we're going to jump into my other recommendation here. I'm obsessively rolling through the <laughs> sirens Twitter thing because I just realized that the thing that I saw that I wanted to tell Sierra about was oh. in there. <laughs> nice. So I'm just going to go through it for days. <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk about is the Ted Bundy tapes, which I I know that we're all yes. watching right now. <laughs> I definitely finished within like two days here. <laughs> oh, I made the mistake of watching it with Tucker and he's like, I can only do like one episode at a time of uh, people getting murdered. <laughs> uh, and I can't watch it alone or else I'll get in trouble. So I'm oh. like slowly going through it. Yeah, Drew, like he has no problem watching those things but he like will get busy or you know he, he likes to go to bed at a normal time or something i don't i don't know what that's about yeah i i've just given up on like watching things together with him that i just want to binge like hell i'll just watch again with him i guess if he wants mm-hmm. to do that but no i i binge the fuck out of those really quickly and god i hate that, that I story love it. is just crazy it is just it just goes wild. on and on and on it really does and like ted bundy is you know he's i guess he's it's safe to say that he's america's most famous serial killer you know you hear all these stories especially like the three of us are you know we're younger we didn't grow up with ted bundy like we're we're not in that general where a tent buddy was an actual threat to our everyday lives. Yeah. Yeah. So hearing about him secondhand, like we didn't know the details that come out in this particular documentary that's on Netflix right now. So hearing about how he actually was and the real terror that 
people experience day to day when he was doing these things. It is fucking wild. I mean, like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, what a fucking monster this guy is. It's a real, like, wolf in sheep's clothing kind of deal where it's like he got to, you know, sneak under the radar for so long just based on who he was and his looks and that he went to church and he was a Republican and he was, you know, an upstanding citizen who would never do anything like that. Imagine realizing that Ted fucking Bundy worked on your campaign back in the day. Like, I know. Oh my like, God. On your political campaign. <laughs> like, Jesus. That's so We that's are in so no way affiliated with the actions of Mr. Bundy. <laughs> right. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely have gone through many phases in my life of watching serial killer documentaries. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And reading about them. One of the most interesting things about Bundy is that he's one of the few really genuinely psychotic serial killers. Mm -hmm. I mean, people throw that term around very loosely. He has no remorse Um, at all. Right. But clinically, he's one of the few. Mm -hmm. Most serial killers have some kind of trauma, some, you know, some stimulating factor in their life that set off the behavior. Yeah. Bundy is just purely psychotic. He just and he's very detached from everything. Yeah. It's like the stuff that you could maybe point to in his life of like being rejected by that first girlfriend and the stuff with his mom, him growing up thinking that his mom was his sister. I like they're kind of weird. Weird, but they aren't like enough to want to murder people like right. other people have been adopted or you know everybody's gone through breakups and they and don't, they don't go around killing people, people so yeah yeah it's like he was almost born like he was going to do this he even specifically dispels those ideas when he starts referring to himself in the third person and specifically in a clinical sense when he's analyzing and picking himself apart as you know the subject mm-hmm. i'm like kind of glad that he was a psych undergrad because like (laughs) the fact that he can analyze himself like that is so interesting right when they when they got to that part in the documentary that like kind of blew my mind the way he was talking about himself in that sense i've never heard a serial killer or even just a criminal just refer to themselves in that sense and completely pull themselves apart like they were analyzing something to that degree it was very interesting well again it makes sense right because you're talking to somebody who's so detached from the actions that he's done and the emotion that should be behind what he's done so asking him to talk about it as as if it's not him yeah, it's yeah. really the only is really the only way that he can approach it honestly. Yeah, that was a brilliant move by that uh, interviewer too, since he couldn't get anywhere just actually talking to him one on one, saying, "Hey, talk about this person." Mm-hmm. <laughs> My one little thing with that documentary is it bothers me a little bit all the use of like the weird sexual psychedelic images that they're constantly flashing on the screen while he's talking. I feel like that's just unnecessary. I know it's really tempting to romanticize and kind of glamorize Ted Bundy Mm -hmm. because he's known to be this kind of charming, handsome guy. But it's really feels like the, the documentary is the editing is really like they're trying to sexualize what he's talking about. And, you know, it's it's a little bit gross. It makes me feel a little icky. I don't want to see like flashes of naked women and feel like I'm at like a butthole surfers concert or something. (laughs) (laughs) Like weird stuff on the screen. I felt like that editing was specifically kind of geared to feel like what the media represented him as at that time. In fact, the whole documentary doesn't seem like how 
Bundy actually viewed himself or really how Bundy was himself, but rather how everybody else around him perceived him. It was very much a Bundy did this, Bundy terrorized that. This is how it was living in that time. This is how it was having to deal with him. He was annoying as a client in Mm -hmm. in court Mm -hmm. and everything like that. I am actually really interested to see the movie movie. coming out with Zac Efron because it feels like Mm -hmm. that's going to be the emotional side of Ted Bundy. It's it's like that's his story, but this documentary is everybody else's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What looks really interesting about that film that I haven't seen before is they seem to be largely telling it from his wife's point of view. Yeah, I did notice that in the recent teaser. That'll be interesting. I'm reminded of this all the time that you shouldn't judge a movie by its trailer because right, they're yeah. not the same people <laughs> that make these things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the people that make the trailers just screw up how they're going to market something all together. Right. But I think it would be really cool and interesting to see something that's from the perspective of someone close to him, like his wife, a different way of telling that story. And I think it would be an interesting way to ride the line of not over-glamorizing and sexualizing him. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of like you don't really want to, like, give the serial killer all of the attention and, like, you know, saying their name and letting them speak, because that's kind of like what they wanted. God, that's all he wanted. Yeah, was the attention, but... Well, yeah, I think narcissists should be added to that list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop rolling through this feed. I'm going to find it Sierra, eventually. <laughs> My Three brain will let me now. rest. Yep. I know. It'll be like 6 a.m. I'll wake up like, wait, I know what it is now. Okay. I watched two things. One of them, I don't, Sierra, I don't know if you talked about Annihilation on the show when you saw it, but you said that you saw it when it no, came out. No, I didn't. I don't think I talked about it on the show. It's more like sci-fi. Yeah. But sci-fi, you know. Oh, yeah. It definitely gets into spooky, like, creepy, creepy stuff. Spooky. It's got some spooky things in it. Some nasty monster things. Um, Yeah. So we just finally saw Annihilation. We've been wanting to watch this for a very long time. But we had to find time to sit down in the theater and see it. Because we knew it was going to be, like, a visual spectacular thing. I I really liked it a lot. I liked it a lot more than I expected to. It came out so long ago. I mean, it's not. It's 2018. But, like, you know. It just feels like it was out so long ago. I forgot some of the people that were in it. I knew that Natalie Portman was in it, but I forget Tessa Thompson was in it, and I just adore her. Jennifer Jason Lee is in it, and Oscar Isaac. Oh, mm-hmm. swoon. <laughs> and it is directed and written by Alex Garland, who's the guy who also did Ex Machina and wrote 28 Days Later, amongst multiple other great films that we love here. Let's see, The Beach, Sunshine. So I was really excited to see this. And I just wanted to say that, you know, it it was a lot better than I thought. And I feel like, I don't know, I don't remember people talking about this very much. And I'm kind of confused by that because it was beautiful. It was absolutely like visually stunning. And it was a brain bending, great like sci-fi thing. And the acting was terrific in it. There's a couple of little monsters that happen. And I thought that the the effects on those were done really well. I like I realized halfway through this movie that like my palms were sweating. I was was so tense. (laughs) Doing its job well. Yeah, and it's so fun. Like, you know, so the premise, if you don't know, is that they have this, uh, they call it the shimmer. This thing appears. I don't know what the right word is for it. It, it. To me, it looks like the stuff that you use to blow bubbles like for little kids, you know, like dishwashing liquid, where it kind of creates this like weird gloss of like rainbow 
light that's refracting everywhere and this it's like this giant kind of bubble like over uh, an area and that area seems to be spreading and coming out and every time they send people into it to figure out what's happening inside nobody comes back so they like you know they've you've got these scientists and the military all working on this trying to figure out what this thing is because it seems to be expanding and just like overtaking the earth (laughs) and they decide to send in a crew of five women who are made up of different types of scientists and uh, several of them have military background i the only thing is i don't remember them clearly saying in the film like they they, somebody did bring up the fact that they were an all-female team and i never heard them say anything beyond like just that they haven't done that yet you know but no, like, real concrete reason of why they decided to send an all-woman team in. But I guess just because at this point in the process, they were running out of ideas. Just everybody kept disappearing. And Natalie Portman, her husband, he show- he's gone for, like, a year on some secret military mission, and he shows up again one day and is completely fucking weirded out and, like, cuckoo man when he comes back. And weird stuff happens, and she goes into the shimmer with these other women to figure out what's inside of it. And what's happening and how to stop it from growing. It's just so, like, psychedelic and weird and kooky. And there's, like, time loss. And they're confused and their brains start doing weird shit. And and immediately when they get into there, things are just, like, there's, like, mutations everywhere. Everything's, like, growing strange. But I just thought it was a super fun movie. And I thought it was really well done. Very cool. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should see it. Do you love some good sci-fi? Yeah, it's a great team of actors. The other thing that I added just today, because I sort of stumbled upon it almost accidentally. I was sitting at home by myself for a little bit. <laughs> that never happens. I turned on Netflix and I found this show called Kingdom. And I remember seeing an article recently saying that Kingdom is a show that like nobody's watching on Netflix that everybody should be checking out. So I looked at it and I ended up watching like three or four episodes of it before I finally forced myself to turn off the TV. It just like it, I got so into it that I just I just kept on watching and I didn't realize that I had just wasted like two hours, three hours of my day watching one TV show. I didn't mean to do that. See, it's Korean, I believe, but it does have English dub in it. So you can listen to it in English or I always have closed captioning on for Netflix because I just have a hard time these days hearing dialogue sometimes. But that makes it more confusing because then they're not saying the same thing <laughs> in the English dub as what the closed captioning is saying. Kingdom is a it's a TV series, but there's only six episodes right now. Weird. This says 12 episodes on the IMBD, but I only saw two listed on there or six listed on there. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, the IMBD lists a season two, but there's no season two yet. So there's one season, six episodes. What? Maybe it's coming. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. It's a show about a crown prince of this kingdom and his father marries a new queen. His his mother is, they don't say what happens to her, but she's, you know, a previous relationship. His father marries a new queen. The queen is now pregnant with a baby who she hopes is a son. And <laughs> the king suddenly is cut off from everyone. His, his son can't see him anymore. The crown prince can't get in to see him. This woman like cuts everybody off and nobody can get in to see him. And the rumors start moving around the kingdom that the king has actually died and they're covering it up. Uh-oh. And they can't fit. And so the, there's this power struggle between the queen and I think it's the captain and the crown prince and he starts trying to figure out what's really happening and what happened to his father in order to figure that out he's told that he finds out that his father has some kind of terrible illness and like they were keeping records of the illness up until a certain point and then it stops 
and he doesn't know what happened after that. And his queen and she she wants to hunt him down because she doesn't want him basically starting a revolution mm-hmm. against her. So she sends the military out to find him and he takes off. He runs away and goes on this journey to basically follow uh, a trail back through some doctor who had seen his father once and then disappeared to try to figure out what this illness is that his father has and ends up at this small town with a uh, a woman who tried to treat a group of people and it went really, really badly. So long story short, this is a fucking batshit crazy zombie show is what, what? it is. <laughs> It is it is a zombie show placed in like 15th century Asia and so it's crazy. It's this period show and it's it's very like pretty and it's very well produced and it looks really nice and the the costuming is so pretty and then there's fucking zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's pretty amazing. I was really impressed with it. I was like, "Wow, okay. The zombies are really scary and you have this whole emotional thing that's happening in the background of this crown prince like people think that he's that he wants his father to die so he can take over, but the reality is he wants to find out like what's happening to his dad and if he can save him and the country is very much kind of on the edge of like this civil war because the queen is essentially taking over their country with like her group of gangsters she's got this whole like group of gangsters that she's moved into the the main house the white house i want to say the white house but (laughs) it's their their equivalent of the white house (laughs) but you guys should check it out it's only six episodes and it is really cool that's really surprising. Yeah, I just based on you, you know, the first you starting to describe this, I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is really something I would care about. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably why other people aren't watching it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has this really pretty kind of like, you know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon feeling at the beginning. Like it's these really pretty shots of like gorgeous sunsets and, you know, these uh, it's really cool you know it's just it's a, it's a period piece and that's mm-hmm. what it looks like like it's pretty like that and then then there's then there's Surprise. zombies <laughs> like <laughs> well those people aren't just sick they're dead oh they're getting back up again okay <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's it's really interesting and i thought when i started watching it that the whole english dubbing thing would get on my nerves but honestly the story's so interesting now that i can't stop it's like it's like a soap opera in a zombie outbreak that sounds pretty fun. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's really well done. That's what I want you guys to check out, Kingdom. All right. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break, and then we can come back and talk about our main topic. They call me the Drifter.
So, with the recent release of Glass, Dr. M. Night Shyamalan is back on everybody's mind again. Over the years, he's kind of become the butt of a lot of jokes. But even after, you know, a number of flops that we can all kind of agree upon were were pretty bad, (laughs) his influence on the horror genre is still undeniable. So tonight, I'd like for us to talk about his movies, some of our favorite moments in his movies, and how he's influenced horror. So to start off with, let's learn a, a little bit more about the man behind the director's chair, behind the, the camera. He was originally born in India, but then immigrated to Pennsylvania when he was just six weeks old. And a lot of his movies are based in Pennsylvania. He lives there. He really likes this, that area. It's had a lot of influence on him. He wanted to be a filmmaker since he was really young and he was given a Super 8 camera when he was young and played with it and made a lot of movies growing up. And if you own any of his DVDs and the special features, they'll often include clips of his original home movies that have had little bits of influence on the stories that they eventually became, which I think is super cool. He grew up Hindu, but he attended Catholic schools. And so that kind of mix of different religions becomes a recurring theme in a lot of his movies. And something I did not really realized before, but it makes sense. He gave himself the name Knight. That's not his real name. He <laughs> made it up when he was in college, <laughs> going to, to film school in New York. He would be which, one of those guys to give himself a nickname. He would be, I know. <laughs> <laughs> While I was getting ready for this episode, I watched some interviews with him, and he actually seems like a very goofy person and just like genuine and wants to just have fun okay that makes me feel a little better about him well let's go through the list of his like specifically horror movies and like you know touching into sci-fi and thrillers of course a classic the sixth sense this was nominated for a number of academy awards including best picture best director and best original screenplay so that kind of like kicked off his career and his name in the horror movie genre. And then Signs, which was also amazing. And then The Village came out. That had kind of mixed reviews. Then Lady in the Water. And then The Happening, which that happened. (laughs) Devil. The Visit, which was fairly recent. A found footage kind of movie. He worked on the TV show Wayward Pines. And then, of course, his movie Split and Unbreakable and the most recent Glass movie have a lot of like horror and thriller kind of moments. I can enjoy him a lot better now that I've basically just stopped thinking of him as a serious movie maker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's harsh, but I just kind of like, eh, I'm either going to enjoy it or I'm not going to enjoy it, then I'm going to move on. I just set the the bar a little lower yeah. for him. And now I enjoy things more. <laughs> I really liked The Village, but while I was getting ready for this, I guess in getting ready for it, they did this whole like fake documentary about him of like the secret of M. Night Shyamalan about how when he was a child he was dead for nearly half of half an hour and that's like why he has this connection with the spiritual world and but like and how does da- that tie the into darkness. the village I don't know it was all like the the documentarians in air quotes were like at the set of the village trying to talk to him and so it really was just like look at the village and it seemed like they all probably thought it was a really cool idea but it just kind of ended up being like boring and kind of cheesy yeah that's so stupid (laughs) i know (laughs) 
Let's make up this fake backstory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I like, I only saw it once, but I don't remember hating the village. I actually rewatched it just last night and um, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst. It, it was no The Happening. <laughs> 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 so the happening like i kicked off my m night Shyamalan marathon with the happening because for some reason i mm -hmm. i never seen it before. anywhere else yep just started at the bottom you can yeah. move up from there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't, like there was there was honestly no reason behind it we were just scrolling through the movies that we had uh here on the server and was like okay let's just click on that one because I, I guess we didn't have Unbreakable at the time, I, is was what the mm -hmm. issue was, now that I recall. God, that was awful. That was so bad, you guys. <laughs> I was like... I know. I'm never getting that time back. Like, those minutes of my life, and I, I'm mad about it, but also kind of entertained that that was a major release. That it and was there, made. Yeah. There were real stars in the, that. I see how the original idea is really neat and could be really interesting of like there's this mysterious like wave of suicides and nobody knows why and then it's found out that it's like the plants right. and like you know working of like evolution against you know like if we're at the top of the food chain how are how what's going to bring us down what could possibly do it and it's like really there's all just so many things that could you know end society like right now why was Mark Wahlberg so bad in that? Like, that was after The, the, the Departed. Like, well, I mean, you could ask why is Mark Wahlberg so bad in so many things. Right, but like, he was really bad in his early career for sure. But this was after The Departed. We know that he grew, like, he grew as a person and an actor, right? Like, I feel like that happened like, in this timeline that we live in. Is it just me? Like, I don't... And, and also, why I did I never knew you were such a Mark Wahlberg supporter? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, Wahlberg I didn't. Apologist. I didn't know it was either. It's, it's like, Your closet, Mark Wahlberg. Like I, I was watching this and was like, wasn't he good at at some point? Like, I did. Did I dream this? And like, or like, not even good, but like watchable. And also, he's like, why is this awesome actor in this terrible movie? <laughs> I was like, why does everything suck about it? Like, surely there's something redeemable. No, no. And and if not, why did Roger and Ebert give it three out of four stars? And did that somebody happened? who who hit them on the they head? Got, they got bought off. What happened? <laughs> what, what happened here? I'm just. <sighs> I had so many feelings. That was emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many feelings here. The extraneous bottle of cough syrup just really got to me, guys. I just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's superfluous bottle. I'm sorry, not extraneous. The superfluous bottle of cough syrup. I also remember liking Devil. Yeah. But it, like, he was only a co-writer on it. He didn't direct it or, mm, you know, mm -hmm. I think he had a very small part to play in it, which may be why it was better. That I yeah. haven't seen. It's, it's claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah. I always appreciate movies, though, that can do a good job of, like, holding up a movie and creating tension in such a small contained space. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that's probably harder than we give it credit for sometimes. 
when you can't move around and do a lot of physical acting. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that the one in the in the elevator? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. And guess which one is the devil? Was it B? It's kind of like that Twilight Zone episode where all these people are in a diner. And it's like, we knew that there was like a UFO crash and somebody in this diner is an alien. Like, which person in this elevator is the devil? So movie. (laughs) (laughs) So that's another thing is that M. Night Shyamalan, like he seems to kind of bank his career on like being the king of the twist. But they're all pretty goddamn predictable. I don't know. I didn't I didn't know about Bruce Willis the first time I saw it. And the sixth sense, yeah. Okay, that one, mm-hmm. I'll give him. I'll give him that one. <laughs> I feel a little like maybe because that one was such a big hit, like so early in his career that he thought like, okay, this is the formula for me. Like this is, this is my signature. And so like now everything has to fit into this right, on right. things like the village and, you know, things further down the pipeline are like, it's really forced and it would have just been better off without it. Right. It also seems like he pulls from other filmmakers' hooks. Chinese derivative. Absolutely. But, like, specifically, their signatures. Like, he does the Tarantino thing where he's in every one of his movies and, you know. Well, that was also Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I feel like he does it in a kind of Tarantino sort of way. Another thing I've been noticing while watching way too many of these movies in such a short amount of time is <laughs> <laughs> his openings and closings like the the weird animated kind of music and uh, the strange cinematography flying in and shit like dude thinks he is Tim Burton in the 90s sometimes <laughs> mm. see that's funny I was gonna say that his film career so far kind of reminds me of Tim Burton's as, as like the first two things were like so good and undeniable like the sixth sense and mm-hmm. signs are like really and then it gets into planet of the apes <laughs> <laughs> no they just going too far sierra really take it back okay. <laughs> <laughs> melissa felt strongly about that one <laughs> i i do not compare tim burton to m night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> well just like they get worse over time you know? Yeah, things are going well for Tim Burton. Or M. Night Shyamalan. Well, I don't know. Glass seems to be doing well. Mm-hmm. We saw Glass over the weekend. Yeah, how was it? I really liked James McAvoy the whole time, and so that was why I liked it. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about He's Split then. so much fun to watch. Yeah, I, I would watch James McAvoy play... Ronald McDonald. Yeah, I fucking <laughs> I <don't> really care. <laughs> loved Split, and it was 100% because of James McAvoy. Like, a lot of the mm-hmm. writing seems so ham-fisted, and there were some lessons, I guess, that you were supposed to learn there that was so heavy and stupid, but James McAvoy, like, saved the entire film, and he's just so amazing, and I would like to give him a valentine. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Yeah. I didn't get to see Glass, but weirdly, I fell down like a rabbit hole a couple days ago of watching YouTube videos of James McAvoy with various people from the movie talking about the movie. Oh, fun. So I probably know a little bit about the movie now without seeing it. 
<laughs> and anything fun you'd like to share? Let's hear it. I don't know if there's anything fun that I can share. It was kind of like those really ridiculous time-wasting videos. The stars talk about Google searches about their names. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? There's like a whole series of them with different actors. Oh, do you mean like oh, the mean the ones tweets? Where they, yeah, the mean tweets. I was kind of say. like mean tweet. It's kind <laughs> of like that, except for what they do is like they give them a board that has the top Google searches involving their names. Hmm. And they have and they like rip off a little tag and they they address questions that people have Googled. <laughs> that sounds hilarious. But it, it is it's pretty entertaining. It's pretty funny because it's all these stupid questions like, you know. Does James McAvoy brush his teeth in the morning at night or who would ask that? No, it, it wasn't really anything. <laughs> it wasn't anything in any way that would contribute well to this conversation. It was just garbage videos of people from the movie Glass <laughs> answering stupid questions and saying funny things about Internet stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I productively used my time. <laughs> that I want to see them, though. <laughs> I'll send you a link to them. Oh, They're my pretty funny. God, Glass has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah. It's kind of like when you surprise this is a trilogy after, you know, like, what, 12 years or whatever. It's like that maybe sets expectations a little too high. Yeah. I feel a little bit torn about Glass because I really liked Split a lot, but I don't remember liking Unbreakable very much. <laughs> I think Unbreakable is a little more of like an action-y movie in my mind. Yeah. Where it's just like, inherently, I'm going to be more interested in, in Split. Yeah. Unbreakable is like the comic book movies before before comic book movies, really. Right, right. But it is... Like, the entire feel of the whole movie is set up. That was one of the ones that mm -hmm. we rewatched recently. Seriously, the entire thing feels like set up. Like, I don't remember how I felt about it when I first watched it, but if I were just watching Unbreakable Now without Split and Glass having been announced, I would feel, like, totally ripped off at the end of it. I would feel like there was absolutely... There was no point. Yeah, like, it was building to something that just never came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if he originally, you know, planned for it to be the three and then just because of how movies work and like, you know, studios buying it up or passing scripts around, like it just like got, got prolonged so much. Like that it, yeah. Yeah. Well, so today I rewatched Signs, you know, with mm -hmm. race, racist ass Melly Gibson there, <laughs> who I, <laughs> I still hate supporting, but... I have to admit he was actually okay in that. And I've, I've seen that before and I did kind of like it. I do actually sort of like Signs. Is it, wait, is it bad to like Signs? I don't know. I like Signs. <laughs> I, I just like, I, the, the, for the some reason scene I feel with in the, my... The, <laughs> the scene with the birthday video and the, the alien passes behind and you aren't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, that is good. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know. I think I feel a deep sense of shame in my heart if I like anything that's M. Night Shyamalan or Mel Gibson. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> signs like, well, not just signs, but M. Night Shyamalan, another theme of his is that he seems to really want to drive home the idea that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that is prevalent, not just in signs, but Lady in the Water, for sure. The happening. Oh, God. 
I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm mad that I, I mean, God. I did watch this interesting video that was all about the lady in the water. And I promise this is actually about the movie. (laughs) Where this film critic was talking about how Lady in the Water is a good example of it. It's a very confusing film because the acting is actually not terrible. A lot of things about it are not terrible. And the production quality isn't terrible. But there's just something like... The, but the writing and the dialogue in the film just make absolutely no sense. So you can't figure out, like, you can't figure out anything as the movie goes on. <laughs> Everything just feels like a bunch of, like, weird little chunks out of various fairy tales that people are blabbing out of their mouths at each other. Yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. But that, like, you know, the people that were actually doing the movie really did a decent job in what they were supposed to be doing. It's almost like if you watched it, I think he said, like, if you watched it on mute, then you could sort of make up your own story and it would be really great. (laughs) Have a great time. (laughs) Which I haven't tried yet, but I remember liking the, like, the weird effects in that movie, you know, with, like, the girl in the pool and, like, the weird thing that is hunting her, like, creeping around the pool. There's various people in that film that are usually really fun to watch. So I don't remember watching it and feeling... And this is, I think, how you feel about a lot of M. Night Shyamalan. is like, I don't usually watch something from him and feel, like, irritated or angry afterwards. Like, oh, that was so crappy. I hated it. I just kind of... It's over and I just feel like, I don't know what... I don't know what that was about. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, there's things I can enjoy while I watch it, but I I often... More often than not, by the time I get to the end of it, I just have no idea what it was about or what I was supposed to take from it. And it just... It's too... It, like, makes me work too hard. (laughs) See, for me, it's like... I see where you were going with that, buddy, but... God, that was a long way to get there, and it sucked when we got there. And yeah, I still don't know what the lady in the water was about, other than a lady in the water. Mm-hmm. I saw that one in theaters, no, was... but I haven't seen it since. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, The Sixth Sense was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk That's about that so one. Good. That one's good. <laughs> oh, it's so good! <laughs> I think they do a really good job with, like, how, I was going to say, like, what real ghosts are, but then people would have made fun of me. about like if it's if it gets really cold and how like you how like sensing and interacting with with spirits and like rewatching it after watching you know so many hours of ghost hunting shows it's like oh this is all like really clever and it makes sense and it's not just like he's making shit up yeah i don't understand how somebody could make something as creepy and unsettling as the sixth sense and then make all that other stuff that came after I remember being super freaked out by the barfing girl. Oh my god, the sick girl! I can't. Yeah, like Ugh. both under Ugh. the bed and then in the tent. I was like, oh god, mm-hmm. she's everywhere, <laughs> just barfing all the time. Freaks <laughs> me out. <laughs> Sierra, is this where your my barfing phobia? fear came from? No, I was afraid of it before I saw the sixth sense. It's fair. And when I rewatched it last week i skipped over that part because i knew what was happening i knew what was gonna come (laughs) so that was nominated for six academy awards including best picture best director and best original screenplay damn yeah the sixth sense like really became a part of popular culture like not just in that year but for like a fucking decade and even maybe Mm -hmm. even still into today yeah absolutely like the the line i see dead people like people still 
make jokes about that. Yeah. And the whole not spoiling it became like such a big deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Still think I see dead people in my head all the time. It's like, <laughs> it's my own, like, you know, socially uncomfortable <laughs> escape statement in my head i just think to myself all the time i see dead people and i think it you know that that was definitely a movie that got a finite amount of times that you'll watch it but you can watch it multiple times and pull more information from it each time Mm -hmm. and sort of figure out more of the stories and figure out more of the ghosts yeah yeah having a different perspective knowing how it ends up is is fun too yeah, and just like each one of those ghosts had their own little story and their own little history. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I didn't catch the first time around because I was too busy staring at that little kid's creepy face. <laughs> <laughs> I also just really like the mom in that movie. She's trying so hard. Who was the mom in that movie? I don't remember. She, I don't, I'm really bad at knowing actors' names. Oh, it's Tony Collette. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She's becoming like screen, scream queen. Yeah. Of our age, isn't she? She really is. And that had another Wahlberg in it. God. <laughs> Donnie. Not Marky Mark. <laughs> He's a little less funky. Yeah. <laughs> he seems to actually go back to the same well of actors pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Like Bruce Willis is definitely like one. Yep, 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 yep. Joaquin Phoenix quite a few of those uh bryce dallas howard Haley joe osmond is is getting into some new stuff now like what as an adult weird face Uh oh (laughs) it's his weird face oh wow he's actually been in a lot of stuff he was in silicon valley but i didn't watch that series he was in the rebooted x-files a lot of tv yeah i thought he was in deadpool but now i don't see it listed on his thing here thought he made an appearance in that i also really liked him in ai artificial intelligence that's off topic but i liked him in that movie too so it sounds like at the end of the day mi Shyamalan is just like leave it not even take it or leave it just leave it yeah overall it's a leave it for me (laughs) (laughs) overall it's gonna be a pass for me a hard pass at that unless james mcavoy is involved is all i wanted to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like bryce dallas howard too though i think that might be one of the reasons why i liked the village yeah i do like bryce more dallas than some howard. people i think that might have been my first like exposure to her and i really liked her yeah i actually realized that lady in the water was my first exposure to her and that i 100 percent realize why he would choose her for not only that role but generally for his creepy sort of stories is she's got that very ethereal kind of pixie look to her mm-hmm. otherworldly yeah she's very otherworldly looking so she would fit into those worlds very nicely if they were written better she also mm-hmm. does a really great like deer in the headlights yeah yeah totally bad things are coming my way as you can see when she's being chased by dangerous dinosaurs yeah <laughs> <laughs> That wide-eyed stare. <laughs> and girl can run in some heels. Give her that. No. No. <laughs> no. So what else is there to say about M. Night Shyamalan? Shyamalan-alam. I I was going to say I did watch Wayward Pines. I watched the first season of that and enjoyed probably the first 75% 
of that first season and then <laughs> that's a very specific amount well then once they revealed like what the big twist was i was like oh this is mm, okay because <laughs> the original like just the setting of the guy like showing up in this town and not like knowing where he is or how to get out or like why all these people are acting so weird like that was really interesting but then the fact that there was this like larger conspiracy it kind of undermined all of the work leading up to it like it i don't know i wish they just spent more time with the people i'm glad you said that it's like yeah that was one of those shows that i had always been questioning like that seems kind of cool but should i because that's going to be a lot of my time to devote mm-hmm. if it sucks now i don't feel bad about missing it yeah i ended up not following through with that one which i mean oh, it seems like the a lot of this <laughs> there's a lot of there's like cool little things little moments and little ideas but as a whole like not as impressive maybe M. Night Shyamalan's idea of a twist is just different than the rest of us I want to give him the benefit of the doubt maybe it starts off really cool but then through rewrites and editing it and cutting it all up and all that it, it gets a little jumbled no that's a good possibility because like with Lady in the Water if all of the actors are doing a really good job like, he can elicit pretty good emotion from people. So what you're saying is that Marky Mark was just terrible and that The Departed was just a one-off. <laughs> it was a fluke. It was, that was the fluke. Okay. All right. I can accept that. All right. Yeah. I don't know how else to un- end this, baby. Well, we did M. Night Shyamalan, so now we can say that we did that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. <laughs> we paid our respects. <laughs> It feels like an immemorium. <laughs> now we don't have to do that again. <laughs> Before I forget, I want to tell you guys, I think it's pretty cool. Shutter announced that they're doing a free month starting February 1st. Nice. For Black History Month. And they're going to be doing horror noir film on February 7th, which is a documentary examining the history of black horror. That's Ooh, really cool. That sounds really good. Nice. Yeah. I keep seeing them post about this, and I wanted to remember to mention it on the show. Nice. And I would like to mention that our next episode coming up will be with Rob Sheridan, who I am just, like, ridiculously psyched to have on here. He's going to be discussing his new comic coming out called High Level, which is going to be sci-fi, some horror thrown in there, and it sounds like kind of a post-apocalyptic sort of awesomeness. There's a trailer on his Twitter page if you want to take a look at it. It's coming out in February, and it looks really cool, and we will discuss all about it when he comes on. That would be fun. We haven't had a guest in a while, have we? No. No. It's been a little bit. Let me clarify. He calls it a post-post-apocalyptic punk sci-fi adventure set hundreds of years (laughs) after the end of the world. (laughs) Nice. Post-post. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, it's from Vertigo. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I usually like Vertigo stuff. Nice. Yeah, that'll be super fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm like ridiculously stoked to have him on here. I can't tell, Jackie. I can't Ridiculously tell stoked, stoked. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have like the biggest art Excellent. crush on Rob Sheridan at all. No, certainly not. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's probably that time uh, that it we is. sit down and make ourselves a calendar too, huh? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Organize our shit. Yeah. So with that in mind. Yeah. If with that in mind. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> If y'all have suggestions <laughs> or ideas for guests or if you want to come on or if you have ideas for 
other podcasts that we could go on. We love those kinds of things. And you can always reach us at Sirens of Scream. No, it's Sirens <laughs> at. S- sirens at. Sir, sirens of Scream? Yeah, Sirens at Sirensofscream.com. <sighs> Good. We it's have our shit. And I show it together. Oh, shit. Our shit is in one place. <laughs> oh, shit. It's all of in one bag. <laughs> okay, let's get a clean cut for Drew. <laughs> sirens at Sirensofscream.com. <laughs> and also, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those good things. So you can just chat with us there. Yep. yep. That's easier. I'm at Sierra Houck on Instagram and Twitter. Jackie, how can people find you? Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And head to head to Jackie's Twitter to go see all those cool designs that she did for Jesse Burbs. Yay, they look so good. I'm so happy with them. And Melissa, where can people find you? Find me at Lissa Punch on Twitter and Instagram. Yay! Awesome. So next time. We'll have an amazing guest, and I'm so excited. Yay. Jackie's a little bit excited Just about a little. It. Only a little. Just yeah. a little bit. living in some other life, another time, I guess. Inside a different mind, a million eyes deceive. And quickly fade away another shape I take. And walk another line now.
do.